Good morning. Morning. How are we? Great. Kind of tired. Kind of tired. Yeah. Uh, welcome to our November Alex in a Pod podcast. How exciting is that? <laughs> we got. We managed to get a second episode together. This is amazing. So, um, who have we got here this morning on this wonderful Friday morning? Um, Alana. Amazing. Heather, you need to stand close to that microphone, otherwise we're not going to hear all the amazing things you have to say. Uh, how are we today, everyone? Good. Good. It's Great. still early, so I'm kind of tired. It's still early. It's Friday, though, which is always oh, thank God. the best yeah, I've grinds later tonight, <laughs> so... Okay, that's a bit sad. Uh, anyways, anything exciting happening to anyone this month, or do we all live very mundane? Drama exams were on, uh, which were... They're still on, actually. Are they? Okay, that's very exciting. How many people are doing drama exams? Um, I multiple people. Multiples. Multiples of Alex girls are doing drama exams. Um, also, Minister I'm of Foreign Affairs came to the Alex. Tornishta came to Alex, Minister of Foreign oh, Affairs yeah, as well. Wow. That was exciting. We also have an interview with him coming up later on in the podcast. Um, fifth year music students. Did anything else exciting happen? And we this went month? to Liverpool. Oh, yes. That was really good. <laughs> I forgot about that. It was like so long ago. Yeah, it was so long. It was only, was it two weeks ago? Yeah. It does feel ages away. 4.30 start for everyone that went. Well, almost mm. everyone went. <laughs> almost everyone went. Yeah, 4.30, that was a bit bleak, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been up that early in, I don't think, ever. It was like there was no point going to sleep <laughs> by the time you had to be there. Well, I was in bed by 8 the previous night, so I was all good. Do you usually no, I don't usually go to bed at eight, especially you on a Saturday night. to be in the airport night. at four yeah, thirty. Body clock would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, but it was I okay. I went to bed. I probably didn't go to sleep until you know, like ten. But I was in bed and I was just relaxing. Chilling. I had like a good seven hours, nice. so I was great. You're all a bit. Yeah, everyone was dead. exhausted. Oh, you were yeah. fine on Sunday. Uh, yeah, dead. So tell us, what do we do in Liverpool? I'll pretend that I well, forgot and was never there. We went to the music British Museum of Music and we looked around, saw that pop music stuff, and we got a. They had like little guitars and stuff at the back, so you could play those. And then uh, we had. Um, well, the next day, then we went to the Beatles uh, Experience, which is just their really life cool. story. It was really cool sets and everything. Yeah. And then we we're at Radio City Tower, which just you know a big. It kind of looks like you know that thing in Seattle. That the, the big thing that's like tower. looks like yeah, <laughs> it looks like that. <laughs> looks like an alien thing. Yeah. And you look down and then we we're at um the cathedral. I don't know what it, what type of what name of the cathedral it With is. Europe's second, second largest, largest good organ. organ. Liverpool Cathedral. I'm fairly sure it is Europe's largest organ. organ yeah. It's the UK's largest cathedral and the world's fifth largest cathedral. So yeah. it was massive. It was it huge. Was, yeah, I, I never saw it. I was just below it. Yeah, you can. Yeah, felt the power. I've never <laughs> been. I was super confused though because the organ was like split in two. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I don't understand. Most that organs these days, you know, don't have to be attached. You know, the way pianos are attached and stuff. Yeah. Organs most days aren't. Do they have like the keys and then like a little like a bridge between the pipes or yeah, something? Yeah, pretty much. Like so, they're all like electric, so they're powered by wind. But the, the keyboards themselves, when you play a note, sort of like an electric signal is sent to this big wind chest, which then, you know, opens up the wind into the pipe. Uh. I'll not bore you with the organ lecture this morning. Okay. But, 
Yes, and yeah, the organ is massive. And I was raging because the tour guide <laughs> there said, you know, if I'd emailed in advance, they would have let me play the organ. But oh. then when I asked her on the day, she was like, no, sorry. You can go back. We can go back next year. We just go back so I can play the organ? Yeah. We'll take a little day trip? Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll turn the pages for you. I'll turn the pages. Amazing. Okay, so uh, we have loads on our podcast this month. Loads of stuff happened. So talk us through... I know you were all involved with various bits of it. So, Alina, what were you up to this month? Mm. <clears throat> Sorry. I was the producer, mm. so uh, I didn't really have any interviews with anyone, but uh, I, I organized them. You're organizing and making sure everyone actually did their interviews. And yeah, and they did. Getting the times. Excellent. Ornella, what were you up to this month? I talked to Mr. Lacumber. And who is Mr. Lacumber? Our... Computer scientist. Oh, so, well, do you know who he is, Ornella? You interviewed I do. Him. I just forgot. Computer science teacher. teacher. No, teacher. I for, I forgot what you you said. Chief, if or something, I forgot. I I'm said sorry. chief. I no. said uh, I think it was computer science and e-learning coordinator. Yeah, that's I forgot. Yes. So yeah, it was very interesting talking to him. Alana, you were involved in quite a few bits, well, weren't you? I just got the um, chamber choir together to take a little performance later on. <laughs> Amazing. And we talked to Beth. Didn't we talk to Beth? Oh, uh, yeah. Who was talking to Beth? Oh, Carmel Deirdre was talking to Beth. Yeah. Uh, Alana, then you, were, you actually yeah. were in one of the interviews talking I about... I chatted with Beth, Beth and you about New York. Yeah. Fabulous. Okay, so um, without further ado, let us dive straight into our podcast. Enjoy! Enjoy! Next up, we have Mr. Lacumber, our computing and e-learning coordinator, who talks about what he does in school and talks a little bit about his family as well. Hope you enjoy. Yep. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Great, and you? Uh, tired. <laughs> yeah, it's the morning. So we have a few random questions for you. Lemon or lime? Uh, lime. Sweet or savory? Savory. Coke or Pepsi? Neither. What's your favorite Disney movie? Um, hopefully it's going to be Frozen 2 when I see it next week. Yeah, I really want to see it too. Okay, we have a few questions about what you do here in the school. What kind of technological improvements have you seen developed in the school throughout your time working here? Um, well, I've only been here for a year and a bit, but um, when I arrived, basically the teachers didn't know how to turn on computers, and now they can turn them on really well. That's great. How do you think Alex is doing technologically compared to other private schools in Ireland? Um, I've been teaching a lot abroad in private schools, and they have they seem to have a lot of tech in the likes of Hong Kong and places that, um, I suppose, come from a very technological kind of background. But Ireland, I think, is definitely catching up, uh, especially in private schools. We're aware that you have kids. Uh, do you show them things around the house about, like, technology and stuff? I, uh, sometimes I do, because my kids are just three and six, um, but my, my eldest kid, uh, who's six, is really into technology. Um, for example, a few weeks ago, I brought home one of the Spheros out of the classroom. Don't tell uh, Miss Ennis. Um, brought home one of the Spheros and um, mm -hmm. also brought home some of the Lego Mindstorm stuff and had some great fun chasing them around the, the living room. But um, actually, I tried to keep them away from technology 
because I think they're a bit too young at the moment. They're not old enough to kind of understand the problems that it can cause. And uh, I think when they get a bit older, they can hopefully make those decisions uh, for themselves. Yeah. Do you think it's an, it's an advantage for them in some way that you're so advanced in technology? I wish I was that advanced. It's all an act. Um, no, but it is, it is great to be able to talk about important technological developments and when they're in the news and stuff like that. But as I said, my kids are still a bit small, but hopefully in the future I'll, I'll be able to do that. That's great. Well, we're very glad to have you here and we wish you a great day. Okay, thanks. Up next today, we have invited some boarders from first to fourth year. We have Carlotta from first year, Ornella from second year, Alina from third year, and from fourth year, me, myself, Geraldine. Hope you all enjoy. Good morning, girls. Good morning. How are we? Good. Great. Yeah? It's Friday. Yes. Okay, so... Um, we're currently sitting here chatting to some of our border girls. So maybe would we like to start and just say, introduce yourself, say who you are and where you are from, if you're not from Ireland. Um, hi, my name's Alina, and I'm half Russian and half Irish. Amazing. Hi, my name's Geraldine, and I'm the fourth year. I'm 100% from Hong Kong. Excellent. Hi, I'm Renella. And um, I'm from Belgium. Amazing. Hi, I'm Carlota, and I'm from Spain. Okay, so lots of different places. This is fantastic. So um, we usually start off each interview with a quick series of quick-fire questions. So we're going to start off this morning exactly the same. So we'll go in the same order we did before. Lemon or lime? Uh, lemon. Lime. Lemon. Lemon. Uh, sweet or savory? Savory. 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 Sweet. Um, Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Pepsi? None of them. Coke. And favorite Disney movie? Lion King. Uh, Lion King. Um, I don't know, Cinderella. Okay. Cinderella. Yeah. Geraldine, do you want to pick one? Brave. Oh, excellent choice. Is that Disney or is that Pixar? It's Pixar. Sorry. Uh, it's okay, we'll allow it. And... If you had to be marooned on a desert island and you could only bring two things, what two things would you bring? Um, I'd probably bring uh, a match, like matches for like fire okay. and um, food. Yeah, okay. Water bottle. Um, my two favorite books that I don't mind rereading over and over again. Okay, what are they? Um, the Sun is Also Star by Nicola Yoon, and Everything, Everything by Nicola Yoon. Okay. And um, food on your phone. Okay, food on your phone, excellent stuff. Okay, so, a um, couple of questions now about boarding, okay? Won't take long. Let's just see what you've got to say. So, um, we'll go in the same order we did before. So, using three words, how would you describe boarding? Eventful, um, chaotic, and wild. Okay. Geraldine? Adventurous, exciting, and fun. Ornella? Challenging, 
um, interesting and fun. Okay, Carlotta. Um, funny, excited. Um. Okay, so just two. Perfect, that's okay. So um, before you came to boarding, what were the expectations you had versus how it actually turned out? Alina. Um, I didn't expect it to be that, um, how, how, what was the word? Intense, intense I think. Um, I thought it'd just be calm and I would live in my own room <coughs> and it'd be okay, but actually it's much more fun than I've expected it to be. Yeah, I think there there might be some misconceptions that boarding can be like boring and like stuff, but like actually for me, it actually brings like people closer, like your friends. You you get to see them like literally 24 hours. So yeah, it's amazing. Is that a good thing that you see your friends all day, every day? Um, yeah, you get to know them more and you get to know their bad side. So, you know, <laughs> as well as the good sides. Yep. Okay. Ornella. I expected it to be like Hogwarts, honestly, like <laughs> a big dorm <laughs> with all the girls living together. I didn't expect it to be so modernized. I don't know why, but it's great. It's really fun. Okay. Carlotta. I expected it to be boring, but like I like Lucas. And we have a friend. Okay. Amazing. Good stuff. So, do you think you learn any sort of unique skills in boarding compared to, let's say, if you were still living at home? Alina? Um, independence would totally be one. Um, you do your own dishes. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, you do your own laundry. You uh, wipe your tables. You're just a better person. So, there's no one there to clean up after you? Um, no, not really. Okay. Geraldine? Yeah, I think learning to be responsible is, like, a big thing. Like, kids nowadays are spoiled, and, like, boarding actually makes you, you know, be different. Okay. Ornella, what about you? I still don't know how to use a washing machine. <laughs> but at least, because back if I at home, I would just dump them in a hamper, and then my mom or my nanny would come and do the laundry, which is not a good thing. Now, I know when to do my own laundry. But you don't know how to work the machine? Still not. So how does that work? <laughs> I just, I need to remember to put my laundry bags downstairs. Okay. So that they can wash them. And then I need to remember to come downstairs and pick them up. Baby steps. Baby steps. For nearly getting there. Okay. Baby steps. And Carlotta, what about you? Have you learned anything in res, in boarding? In Okay, yeah. And do you do a lot of cooking in res or is it all done for you? Um, it's all done for us. We have uh, cooks. I, I can't really remember their names, but they're quite Michael. good. Michael and someone else. Yeah. But they're really they're really good cooks. I, I'd say the six years cook for themselves. They have okay. their own kitchen. Okay. But first two, fourth years don't have that privilege yet. Okay. And do you think boarding helps you create closer relationships with the people around you, the people in school, your friends, people in other years? Definitely. Like, there's, like, so many activities and, like, in the school and everything, and boarding really brings people closer. And I have to say, the fire alarms recently are, like, woof. They're just on point, are they? We have, like, three...
fire alarms in a row in a week. So you're all prepared? Yep, we're all prepared to rush downstairs and like... Excellent. Boarding actually trains us to become like athletes. Okay. <laughs> Dogs. Okay. Oh. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> so uh, let's go around and could you give me your best experience as a boarder so far? And then maybe your worst experience as a boarder so far. Lena, do you want to go first? Um, I'd say my best experience should be uh, making friends in third year. I mm. have these, these two really good friends, Tiffany and Katarina. And they are probably the best thing that ever happened to me Brilliant. so far. That's great. And there are other people, too. Amazing. And my worst experience was probably um, moving in with my first roommate. Okay. She was uh, not nice at all. Okay. And we had a lot of fights. Okay. She found that difficult. Yes. But you've come through it on the other side, and now boarding is fantastic. Woohoo. Okay, amazing. <laughs> Ornella, do you want to maybe just talk us through your best experience as a boarder so far? My best experience is probably that I've made a lot of friends. And, um, like, I have two great friends in third year. And so I've also become friendly with their friends. Yeah. Which is great. Because that wouldn't have happened if I was not a boarder. Yeah, sure. So do you think boarding helps you, you know, to meet people other than people in your year? Because obviously you're living together with people from first all the way up to sixth year. Yes. Okay. And is there a worst experience or has it all been plain sailing? There is a worst experience, unfortunately. Okay. okay. My worst experience as a boarder is probably the first time I tried to have a shower. I didn't know how it worked. I splashed the entire shower everywhere it was soaked and it was quite embarrassing for the next person who had to shower after me why because you'd flooded the entire room no just just a shower okay but you you you've gotten a hold of that now yes you're able to handle it yes you know how it works yes okay amazing geraldine your best experience so far in boarding what would you say definitely like making a lot of friends in my squad like they're all from different places Spain, Germany, um, yeah, like everywhere. And I'm like really glad to make international friends. Amazing. Uh, so would you say boarding is a good, good place to meet people from other countries, not just Ireland? Yes, definitely. Because in contrast to like just going to school, like most of them are Irish girls. So like basically all you get is just to experience or communicate with Irish girls. But like when you go to boarding, it's like, it actually pulls you all closer. Amazing. Yeah, I suppose living in close proximity with people, you know, it's hard to get away from them, isn't it? And do you have a worst experience or a bad experience in boarding, really? Mm, I'm always focusing on the positive side, so I don't think I remember any bad or worse experience. Amazing. What but about the fire alarms at Yes, two in those the are challenging, okay. I, I may say. I like the word challenging. Not bad, but challenging. Turning you into athletes. Yeah. Being ready to respond to the drop of a hat. Amazing. Carlotta, what would you say is the best thing about boarding so um, far? Friends, like closer friends. Mm -hmm. Because, like, if you don't go to boarding, like, you only see friends, like, in the school. And then, like, if you are with boarders, you are, uh, um, like, you are 24 hours with yeah? them. So, yeah. And do you have any bad experiences so far? No. No, brilliant. Okay. Okay, girls. Well, thank you for coming down this morning and having a little chat about boarding. And have a great weekend.
Thank you. Thank you for having us. You too. Woo! Up next, we have a chat with Beth Doherty, one of our fifth years in Alexander College, and she will be talking to us about her role in the Youth Parliament for Climate Action. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do a few quick fire questions okay. with Beth. Um, firstly, lemon or lime? Uh, lemon. <laughs> Coke or Pepsi? Can I say neither? Okay. okay. <laughs> um, would you rather be able to fly or be invisible? Fly, definitely. And what's your favorite Disney movie? Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, great. Thank you. Hello, Alex and Apod listeners. This morning I'm here with Beth Doherty, one of our fifth years, who was chosen to be the Dublin representative for the Youth Parliament on the 15th of November. Um, I think I can speak for the school when we say we were all delighted to watch it on our in the concourse. So thank you very much for being here, Beth. No worries. Um, so I'll start off with asking, what was the Youth Parliament about for people who don't know, and what were you doing there? So yeah, basically RTE held a youth assembly in Leinster House and it was to get young people into the all because obviously, you know, we've started this conversation around climate and getting us in and getting us to suggest solutions directly to the decision makers to kind of get that concrete change through that, through that we needed. So I was assigned as part of the economy group and we all, you know, submitted proposals beforehand and then the top six proposals were debated on the day and then we narrowed that down to two that were presented onto our declaration that's now been given to our Minister for the Environment. Okay, and what was the solution you were debating on the day on that we were watching? Uh, so my proposal was that we have a tiered tax system. So basically, right now we have 20 companies causing a third of global emissions and 10 of them are operating out of Ireland. And the majority of our emissions do come from the industry sector. So what we need to look at is pres- providing incentives to get rid of those emissions and to bring that down, but also then looking at how can we invest in greener solutions. So it was basically you know tax the companies, um, at their emissions rather than targeting individuals and then invest that within public uh, transport and things like that. Yeah, and do you think any of these taxes and uh, solutions could be implemented in the near future? I think, you know, the declaration was really good and I think it was an incredible opportunity for young people to have their voices heard. And I really do hope it's followed through with. I think it'll be interesting to see because it's all very well for our government. They have a history of being like, oh yeah, you're great, like look at you just go, but then not following through with anything that we've said. So I think it'll be really good to see whether or not they follow through with it or whether it is just kind of empty words from them. Yeah, and hopefully they do. Um, lastly, just for all of our listeners and us at the Alex and the Pod crew, um, how can we get involved in climate action and helping our um, care towards the environment? Yeah, so uh, climate action, I think it is about finding kind of the balance between individual and collective action. So in terms of what you can do kind of on an individual level, you can, you know, uh, reduce your plastic use, especially, you know, in school, like using the water fountains in a reusable bottle, cut down your plastic use, uh, pick up the trash in the lockers, um, things like that. Also taking public transport to school, but then also, you know, thinking of solutions on a wider scale and getting involved in collective action is a really great way because it does start at a larger level as well. Okay, thank you very much, Beth. Um, that just about wraps it up for our chat today. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and now we have a performance by the Alexandra College Chamber Choir singing Bohemian Rhapsody. Enjoy.
have Alana McKenna and Beth Darty, two fifth-year students, who um, a week or two ago had the opportunity to travel to New York. Do you want to maybe just tell us a little bit about that? What, how did you end up in New York? You can take this one. <laughs> Thanks. So yeah, back in March or something, uh, fourth year, we did a mock trial competition in the CCJ. And the criminal courts. Criminal courts, yeah, sorry. That's like the cool justice. Um, and so a few of us went in. With, we had seven people and we had two weeks to prep. And we managed to win all our trials, which meant we qualified to go to New York in October. We won them because of that. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> so how many of you were on this uh, team or in this group? Um, we started with seven. And then we knew we wanted to take more when we went to New York because you were able to take more and also there would be a lot more work so we kind of just there wasn't a lot of people in fourth year at that time yeah. okay. so we kind of just picked the people we were close with and we're like hey do you want to come so you towards know? the end of fourth year when everyone starts um, disappearing disappearing, disappearing. Yeah. especially anyone yeah. who's in school got to go to New York so. okay yeah. amazing why wasn't I invited just remind me um, uh, I don't yeah. know I just wasn't around on that day. Yeah, it okay. Like it. <laughs> and so tell us a little bit. So you arrived in New York. How long were you there for? What so talk us through, just give us a quick brief overview of the week you were in New York. We were there from Wednesday to no, Thursday to Tuesday. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and you just left we just left early in the morning, came home late at night and we had uh, we only did the actual mock trial parts on the Saturday and the Sunday, but it was the entire day through. Like, we'd be up at half six okay. in the courts by, like, eight, and then we left at half nine. So there was a lot of wow. being there. Very long days. Yeah. And what were your two roles? Beth, what was your role within the team? I was um, I was one of our captains, and I was the lawyer for all four. I was one of the lawyers for all four of our trials. Okay. And then I was a lawyer for one of the trials and a witness for another one. Okay, so both with both of you being lawyers, I'm assuming that uh, entailed a lot of preparation. Yeah, yeah. When you're the lawyer, you have to know the entire case through. Yeah. Um, and I was a witness as well, so I can say this. But when you're a witness, you only need to know the information that it says yeah. you need to know. You need to know your story. You need to know this affidavit, and if it says you know another one's story, you know that one. Okay. But when you're a lawyer, you need to know the entire case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, how did you get on, anyways, in the? In the we, trials. We did quite well, well, we didn't win any of our cases, but... Um, we got better, definitely. We got better. Got better. Like, some of our attorneys ranked quite high, and some of our witnesses ranked quite high within our trials, and, yeah, we did start getting better, because all the yeah. teams were Americans it's that a, we were against. It's a very different experience yeah. to being here. They all had... Uh, it was... They'd have uh, lawyers, like, three lawyers per team who would assist them in their free time, and they'd meet yeah. up, like, as a team... Mm. with these lawyers yeah. all the time mm. Mm. and we had well Miss Fanning and Miss Wynn were great yeah. I and don't know the law though. and yeah. mock trials yeah, yeah. kind of like debate over there like they would do this on a weekly basis like during school okay. and stuff for you as we kind okay. of <laughs> yeah. and I suppose like even small things like the American justice system and the yeah. procedures and stuff are also different to what we might have here objections even yeah. they yeah. had they're very the, the judges were very specific about how you move around the courthouse okay. or if you wanted to present an exhibit, you had to ask him, but then also the uh, opposing counsel, because if you yeah. just approach, they'd be like, hold on. Yeah, you yeah, didn't yeah. say anything to the opposing counsel. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you had to give some of our current fourth years advice about taking part, if they had the opportunity, what would you say? I'd say, like, definitely take part. Sign up for it 100%, but just be aware. The Irish one is a fair bit of work. Um, the American ones a lot more. The American more. ones a lot more. So if you do qualify to New York, you do have to be willing to give up your weekends. Yeah. And the bit yeah. of the summer. 
like the first month. Okay. And you have to go with people you like because you will hate them by the end. So <laughs> but also, uh, I'd say if you want to do it, like even before, like I'm, I think Miss Fanning will do it next year where she gets the team and then gets the case. Mm -hmm. yeah. Learn all the rules of procedure yeah. and objections beforehand because we okay. all knew the case. Yeah. But in terms of objections, there are so many. Okay. And when it comes yeah. to that, you're like, okay, how do I respond to this? Yes, yes, yes. How do you act mm -hmm. as the lawyer? So thinking on your feet a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think just go into it with a really open mind because if you if you enjoy drama and if you enjoy law or debating or anything mm. like that, you will do really well. And it's a really good experience. Amazing. Yeah, yeah what an experience. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, girls, for uh, chatting to us. And uh, enjoy your weekend. Thanks. Thank you, you too. too. Um, so first of all, Tawnishta, thank you very much for joining us this morning for the podcast. Delighted to be here, thank you. Um, before I hand you over to our students, I'm just gonna throw a couple of quick fire questions at you, so just one word answers. Uh, so, lemon or lime? Uh, lime. Sweet or savory? Uh, savory. Um, invisible or the ability to fly? Oh God, the ability to fly, definitely. And if you were marooned on a desert island, but you could have two things, any two things you want, what would you bring with you? Boat and a sail, I yeah. <laughs> And Pepsi or Coke? Um, Coke, actually. Thank you very much. Uh, so what I'm going to do is hand you over now to uh, four of our politics and society students in sixth year. We have Nicole, Nora, Shri, and Rachel. So I'll hand you over to them, and Great. they can take Thanks it from here. Much. I'm delighted to be here, by the way. So, okay. Good morning, and welcome to Alex in a Pod. Today, we're delighted to invite Tanishta and Minister of Foreign Affairs and Trade, Simon Coveney. Thank you so much for being with, uh, being with us here today. You. Can you tell us a little bit about the objectives of the aid program to India? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the main bulk of our aid program is on the continent of Africa. Um, and that's because we have long historic links. But we are now expanding the aid program to other parts of the world. Um, uh, and uh, I think increasingly we will be uh, working with, with NGOs in India. Um, uh, and mainly, I think, uh, it'll be around uh, gender and um, uh, a response to, uh, to extreme poverty. Um, but India is, is a very different country to many of the, the other uh, countries that we have aid programs in because in itself it's quite a wealthy country. Um, uh, the political relationship we have with, with the Indian government is quite good. Uh, and so I think um, uh, the focus of our, of our aid in the future will really be uh, about a partnership um, uh, uh, with um, state actors in, in India, as well as, of course, funding um, NGOs as well. Thank you. So what, in your opinion, is the current field most in need of improvement in relation to the aid programme? Um, well, I mean, a country the size of Ireland can't do everything for everybody, so we've got to prioritise in areas uh, where we're credible uh, um, so that we can focus resources on making the maximum impact. So, you know, Ireland for a long time uh, has been involved in education, uh, and in particular in recent years is very involved in education for girls, uh, which we think can have a huge impact uh, across Asia and in particular across Africa. Um, and, and that is why we have actually already committed uh, 250 million euros to, to education uh, over the next few years uh, with a big focus on education for girls, uh, trying to get more young girls into education, keep them in education, 
uh, and change attitudes uh, in, in countries that are, that are often uh, frustrating um, progress in that area. So I think that is a big area. I think uh, one of the big new uh, um, aid program policy areas where there hasn't been a huge amount of focus in the past, but there certainly will be in the future, will be in climate. Um, so, um, you know, you'll see a big focus, I think, on uh, sustainable food production systems, uh, not just about producing food that is good for nutrition uh, purposes, but also food that is produced in a way uh, that takes account of uh, emissions management and the need for climate action. Um, the other area where we haven't had a lot of focus before has been uh, what I call the blue economy, uh, which is coastal communities, sustainable fishing. It's an area that I'm personally very interested in and Ireland has a, quite a lot of know-how on. So I think you will see us working with governments and with uh, local communities uh, on more sustainable ways of feeding themselves uh, by managing fish stocks in a more sustainable way in the future, whether they be on small island states or coastal communities. Um, so there, there are some new areas that, um, that we're working on, but a big focus on climate, uh, gender, and education. And on a slightly separate note, I suppose, considering a recent spread of misinformation in the lead-up to, say, the Brexit and Trump campaigns, yeah. in relation to social media, do you think there's a need to regulate freedom of speech to minimise the spread of misinformation? Yeah, I mean, I think there is a distinction that needs to be made between freedom of speech and freedom to spread false information, you know, and, and I think this, this is a, an area that's often blurred. Uh, in my view, we do need to regulate social media. Um, um, I don't think it's acceptable that, that, that people can be anonymous and spreading lies uh, or can demonize people, uh, can character assassinate uh, and do it under an anonymous pseudonym. Um, I think that uh, if we allow that into the future, uh, well then, you know, a, a, and at the same time are regulating mainstream media, if you like, in terms of broadcast media and print media, uh, we are essentially uh, allowing a situation where uh, people can be misled and lied to uh, without any consequence. Um, from the state, uh, but trying to get the balance right between the use of technology, uh, access to information easily and freely, uh, free speech, uh, and a free media, and protecting vulnerable people from either bullying or false information is quite a, different ba a difficult ba balancing act to get right, and I'm not sure any country in the Western world has got that right yet, but certainly I think more and more people, and I think your generation, uh, are going to demand answers here from, from regulators and policymakers uh, in a way that, um, that is much more comprehensive than what's been done to date. Okay, and again, to change the topic slightly, recently there has been a rise in discriminatory views expressed by the general public. In your opinion, why do you think this behaviour is on the rise and what do you think about the current experience of minorities within Ireland? Um, well, first of all, on the last question, I hope that minorities in Ireland feel safer and more welcome than they do in many other countries. Uh, that hasn't always been the case, by the way. You know, if you were gay in Ireland, uh, if, you were teen if you were a teenager with a, uh, an unwanted pregnancy in Ireland, um, if you had a different skin colour in Ireland in the past, 
uh, you would have stood out a lot more than you do today. I, I remember that very well because when I was a young child, we used to foster children as a family and we, we fostered a young boy from Nigeria when I was six or seven years of age and he was more or less the same age as me. And I can remember walking down Patrick Street, which is the main street in Cork City, holding his hand. And, and it's, it's one of the few things I remember about his time. His name was Francis. Uh, and literally, people were sort of parting the ways in front of us because they'd never seen a young black child in Ireland before. And this was in the 70s, late 70s. Uh, yet at the same time, we were putting a lot of money into aid programs in Africa and so on. So now I drop my kids to school and you know I see Muslim children. Uh, um, uh, I see different skin color. Um, you know, we all eat both Indian food and Chinese food and Asian food. Um, so I think Ireland is a more tolerant, multicultural, cosmopolitan place than it's been. Um, but I think we need to try to manage that so that in the future we keep it that way. Uh, and the, the debates around migration, radicalization, terrorism and linking those things, even though it's often totally inappropriate to do it, uh, is, I think, a big, big challenge, not just for Ireland, but for the EU as a whole. Uh, and I was talking about some of those things earlier, I think, when I was talking to you. Um, and the rise of terrorism across the European Union linked to radicalization has, I think, shaken politics uh, in a way that, it's, uh, uh, that has driven right-wing thinking, uh, in a way that's very unhealthy. Uh, and uh, we need to counteract that, um, uh, and we're trying to. Um, and you know, recent debates in Ireland linked to finding accommodation for asylum seekers. Like, I think a lot of that response from the public is is based on misinformation and ignorance. Some of it is based on racism, but most of it, I think, is based on real ignorance. And there are some that are trying to take advantage of that and stoke up those prejudices. Um, and people like me need to be very firm and very clear in response to that. Um, you know, Ireland, Ireland is, a, is a nation of migrants, you know, both all over the world and here. Um, and uh, of all countries, we should understand why people are driven to migration uh, and why they should be treated in a humane and fair and generous way, um, as well as a way that has structure, by the way. You know, and you know, we can't have a complete open door policy, but we do need to be to be generous when it comes to migration from my perspective. Thank you. So another little switch in topic. Uh, no worries. Much apologies. So as you know, there's been a lot of anxiety surrounding a possible border up at the north. Um, if there were to be a hard border between Northern Ireland and the Republic as a result of Brexit, would you instead support the idea of a united Ireland? Yeah, well that's a... I know, pretty, a pretty loaded question. That's a loaded, that's a loaded question, yeah. yeah. So, so first of all, I have spent most of my time in the last two years making sure that a border between North and South is not, as in a physical border, uh, is not the consequence of Brexit. And I think we've achieved that. Uh, if we can get the current withdrawal agreement through or any alternative withdrawal agreement that may be on offer would also achieve that. And I think we've worked really hard to create an understanding across the European Union as to why physical border infrastructure re-emerging on the island of Ireland would be a really bad thing. Not just for trade, but actually in the context of tension and potential violence um, uh, and an undermining of the peace process. So, so we've won that argument. Um, and I think we have a deal with Boris Johnson and we had a deal previously with Theresa May. And if there's a Jeremy Corbyn 
uh, Prime Minister in the future, we'll get a deal with him too, uh, to, to avoid that. Uh, I think that's unlikely, but you know, if, if it happens. Um, because I think the EU really understands this issue now, they've taken the time. I think 17 foreign ministers have chosen to come and actually visit the border themselves, which is an amazing interest. You know, like if you come from Malta or Cyprus or Slovenia, you know, this is a problem a long, long way away. And uh, yet they've shown the interest uh, and the solidarity to come and really understand it. So it's, it's, it's been really a reinforcer for me of what EU membership is all about. But the, but the question you ask around a border poll, in my view, if we were forced into putting physical border infrastructure in place to protect the EU single market, I think that would force a debate on a border poll um, happening far sooner than it otherwise might. I think that's true. Um, I'm a nationalist. Uh, I'd like to see the reunification of this island someday. But I'm also a realist. Uh, and I want to see that happen in a way that is managed and controlled and in a way that can reassure the unionist community that they don't have anything fundamental to fear from that. They mightn't like it, of course, but that they certainly won't be discriminated against as a minority, that they will have a place and their Britishness will have a place in the new Ireland. Um, and I think if we force a Brexit, sorry, if we force a border poll uh, and a United Ireland debate in the middle of trying to solve Brexit, in the middle of not having an executive that functions or a government that functions in Northern Ireland, uh, we are adding you know, fuel to what, are, what, what is already a very difficult uh, and very heated discussion and negotiation uh, and political environment in Northern Ireland. So we've said now is not the time to call for a border poll, but we certainly understand the sentiment behind it. Um, but let's get the issue that's currently live resolved first. And then the Good Friday Agreement is, is, uh, is very clear in terms of how it can deal with aspirations for a United Ireland in the future. Um, but we've got to bring people with us. We can't simply switch from having a historical situation where nationalists and Catholics in a minority have been discriminated against to in the future, you know, unionists. Protestants um, and other minor uh, and minority groups in Northern Ireland would be discriminated against. That's not good enough. We need to learn lessons from the past. Everybody has got to feel safe and secure and home uh, in Ireland, whether you, feel to be, whether you feel British or Irish in Northern Ireland, and you have a right to be both. Um, so that transition, uh, perhaps to a reunification in the future, has got to be managed, I think, in a delicate way. And we are putting quite a lot of thought quietly as a government at the moment in terms of how we can manage that discussion in a responsible way in the future. Thank you for answering honestly. I know it's a very politically charged question. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, no worries. Great. Oh, we have one more. Good. Okay. <laughs> um, so, a simple question. What's your preferred result from the UK general election oh, on December 12th? <laughs> Well, I tend not to get involved in, in elections in other countries. So, um, look, I mean, I think British politics is very confused at the moment. Um, and so, I'm, you know, I'm not going to answer that question directly because I don't think it's, it's fair for me to take a side. Uh, what I can say is, you know, if Boris Johnson wins, we have a deal with him. And I think we'll see it through. And then we'll move on to the next phase of Brexit and try and get a good deal there as well. 
Uh, if Jeremy Corbyn or somebody else leads the next government, uh, they're looking for a very different type of deal. In my view, it's a more attractive deal, probably. That alternative deal it would be probably a much softer Brexit. It may involve the UK staying permanently in the EU customs union. Uh, and it'll, it, it may involve asking the British people again if they really want to leave, um, which I think would also be a good thing. Um, so, but it's a more complicated journey if it's, if, if it's not a Boris Johnson win. Um, so I think we can live with either, to be honest. Um, our position won't change. We want the closest possible relationship between Britain and Ireland in the future, despite Brexit. And we will look to negotiate that with a Boris Johnson or a Jeremy Corbyn, depending uh, on who wins the election. But I mean, at the moment, it looks like the Conservatives are going to win. But that's today. You know, two weeks is a long time in an election campaign, though. Thank you. So, thanks very much. Thank you. So that wraps us up. Thank you so much, Tornister, for giving up your time for our podcast this morning. Thank no you very problem. much. Anytime. Thank thanks a million. Cheers. Okay, so that brings us to the end of our November podcast. How amazing was that? It was pretty it was good. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah. So the last thing there we were listening to was uh, the Tornister, who um, was interviewed by a group of sixty-year politics students. Very interesting stuff. Some very interesting views and opinions. Very honest, Tornishta, Minister for Foreign Affairs. Yep, up front. <laughs> yeah, very good. So um, that's all I think for today. Today is Black Friday, so are we all going shopping after today? What about it? You are? <laughs> I did. I was looking online this morning and this was just... Have you ever looked at the Zara website? Uh, probably. It is is the it, worst. Is it the one where they it's just have so a big like picture? Oh, yeah. So and then it's like another picture and yeah. it's like it's what so am I looking at yeah. what's so the, what's the so product there's this massive picture and I was I was how do I get into this website I was just <laughs> looking at this person and then when you get into the website then you have these pictures to close but the pictures are too massive mm. that you can never see the full thing in at one, one go. time when you scroll so yeah. anyways I was told I needed to download the app so I downloaded the app this morning yeah, maybe awesome. email them about the issue I will send them uh, so, uh, we're going to sign off there. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I know the thousands of you that are listening. Thank you. Thank you. And Hi, Mom. <laughs> we shall talk to you all again in December. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Great yeah. podcast. Only three more fun. weeks till Christmas holidays. Yeah. Yes. Christmas is great. Okay. And less yeah. than a month to Christmas Day. I know. It's very exciting, isn't it? Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you.